podcast my name is dave and today we're going to be talking about uh religion um which is a, a, like a colossal part of what empire is to play um if you're a new player you might be staggered by how people talk um because it's part of the lexicon as well as the way people interact with the game and we've got two um people here to talk about it uh maybe we can start with um virginia do you want to start maybe um kind of introduce yourself and kind of like what your involvement with the religious game is Hi, I'm Ginny. I play uh, a Dornish troubadour of ambition. I am currently the cardinal and have been gatekeeper before. I've been playing the religious game for about five IC years. Um, it's been fantastic fun. Sure. Um, uh, maybe you can do the same with uh, your 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 uh, experience. Sure. Uh, I'm Christina. I play Genoveva Barossa, the current Inquisitor of Pride. I've been uh, playing this character for two and a half years now, uh, in character, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, exciting. Um, I mean, who wants to kind of describe what what the way is in terms of religion and how... I don't want to. I don't want to ask a question that just is so expansive that it's impossible to answer in all question. You know, because it's like, what what does the way mean to the game, or how do people interact with it? Is 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 a two hour conversation, right? Like, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. So I. I would start, and this is a little bit flippant, and I will badge that first. When PD were kind of teasing things before they released all of the wiki information before the first game they uh, described the way as fascist buddhism and that is a bit controversial and and quite flippant but it's not a million miles away from if you had to give a two-word description um it is it is a religion where there is no god there are no deities um you follow a series of virtues that lead you um hopefully to uh when you die to pass through the labyrinth more quickly and importantly compared to some games it's a religion that is evidence-based um so most of what we know about it is at least based on some sort of evidence some of it's stronger than others um I will, I will let Ginny give her thoughts. <laughs> so um, I think action Buddhism is sometimes a bit easier. I think, yeah. um, So for me, the other thing that's really, really good about the way of virtue is that it is a fantastic role-playing tool. Um, it is built very specifically to help players do things in Anvil. It gives you incentive to act. It suggests ways of poking the game, um, not just as priests, but as anyone who happens to have a character in Empire. The, the way of virtue is literally set up to make you feel more comfortable and more confident as a player and as a character in engaging with the game. It encourages proactive play. It encourages um, ways that, the game designers think that you will have most fun when you're playing empire yeah for me as a player coming into empire it was one of the things that i was uh, kind of most intimidated by for some reason like having to remember there are seven different virtues that's a lot of things to remember when you're first showing up um um maybe maybe we can kind of who wants to go for without the wikis open anyone want to anyone try the run 
Uh, uh, ambition, it. Courage, ambition loyalty, courage, loyalty, prosperity, pride, pride vigilance, prosperity, wisdom, vigilance and the way. wisdom, and the All way. Right. All right. If All it right. helps, if it helps, we've been doing this for years now. Yeah, we've and we and we both play characters who are, you know, some of the there are three position holders in each virtue assembly. Um, we should probably at some point describe what a virtue assembly is. Um, but there there are three of us in each virtue, and we are playing different ones of those roles. So I don't know that most people in the field could reel the virtues off. I think, to um, be fair, it's, yeah, sorry, also, please. I don't know. it's also really important to remember as a new player, you don't need to. It, it's literally not something that you have to do. Nobody is going to sit there and be like, tell us all seven virtues or be doomed forever and damned. It's literally not a thing. When you come in as a new player, if you want to play a priest, it's a great idea to have a rough idea of the virtue you want to play with. Um, and, and you can pick the rest up as you go. As a player who is not going to coming in as priest, you don't you don't have to worry about it if you don't want. Yeah. So when when you're coming in, if you if you uh, let's let's talk about how if you were going to come in as a player and you wanted to directly be involved with the the religious game, how how would you approach that and what actions would you take, uh, say in your character building, from all the way to how you interact like with with the world around you? You know. So, um, it depends. There's like four main options i think there's three different styles of priest play that involve having different things on your character sheet and you can just come in as an interested lay person someone who's not actually a priest um the three different models of priesthood roughly are um, a political priest who has the congregation background that gives you access to Liao, which uh, lets you do religious ceremonies, and it gives you access to votes in Synod. You will have uh, a block of votes that you will use every single time you vote. So the starting congregation has 10 votes, and every time you vote, those 10 votes will be marked up um, on uh, uh, in, the, in the Tribune's notes. Um, and you can vote on anything that's in your virtue assembly, your national assembly, or in the general assembly. You can be um, uh, uh, like a, a parish priest, someone who cares an awful lot yeah. about other people, who wants to guide and support other people. At that point, you're likely to want the dedication skill, which is two shiny XP. Um, you have to get that first in order to get the other priestly skills. Yeah. which can put role-playing effects on people, things, areas. These all give um, people uh, access to the ability to ignore other role-playing effects um, and gives them a bit of a boost. A lot of the time, they ask for a ceremony and you can use that time to talk to the other, uh, to the other character involved and, like, get them in the mood to do the thing you can give them a bit of a boost you can a little bit of like a like a like a hype person right yeah. like yeah um, absolutely yeah i think that's one thing that i've definitely noticed uh which is why i love this specific group of them because i don't have much to do with the the, the the political side of it or the voting side of it or any of that stuff but like as a player that's separate from it those people who are 
hyping us up before we go into battle or on skirmishes like there's a very bold example and a very obvious one but these these happen all over the field and it's uh they do great work especially when they start um and lots of people have different styles right i think you, you can agree right like not everyone takes mm -hmm. onto that the same way right yeah yeah absolutely um it, it's really really interesting to see different people do different ceremonies in different ways um it can be anything from i'm gonna literally shout you to to make you feel a vibe to a thing to a really conversational quiet dynamic it's just lovely the way the way that people do that uh, but yeah, the, the third type of priest um, is a philosophy priest, someone who genuinely wants to get in there in the meat and bones and dig through doctrine, look at the background of the way of virtue. Um, if you want to do that, you don't technically need either a congregation or priestly skills. You just need to do some wiki mining, talking to other people on the field, find out what's going on and have a chat with them. Yeah. Um, uh, and and which, which sides do both of you kind of represent? Um, so I would describe myself as an extremely political priest. Um, I um, the thing we decided to focus on is that you can, by passing a um, a judgment through the synod, you can literally affect what citizens of the empire outside Anvil think. Um, particularly if you so the, every priest um, gets the ability to raise one judgment per summit. Um, those of us who hold positions sometimes get extra ones. So because I'm an inquisitor, I get a free one that I can use just for inquisitions. Um, I think because that's a recognition that otherwise sometimes I'd, well, often I'd have to pick between doing something otherwise in the synod and um and doing an inquisition so um you put it up on the board one of the tribunes will read it and check that you're not saying anything that's obviously illegal or nonsense um no i say obviously illegal nonsense might not be a criteria um and then priests turn up and vote on it and each judgment gets marked for so if you're dedicated to a virtue you're a member of a virtue assembly um or you're a member of the assembly of the way if you're not um and everyone's a member of a national assembly so i'm in the league national assembly Ginny's in the dornish um and then we're both members of the general assembly which is every priest in the field every priest with a congregation in the field and i turn up um i read all the judgments that are posted on the uh wall in the hub i note down which ones say either league pride which is my virtue or general and i come to a decision on the the, the things people are saying um last summit for instance we had two that i think were obviously heresy um which was which was exciting um and but then there's a whole range there's stuff that's absolutely uncontroversial there was a judgment raised that was just a statement of the tenets of wisdom which I thought was fascinating because there were people who voted against it. Um, and yeah, then there were things all the way down to views that are strongly against current doctrine um, and everything in between stuff that's just a, often you'll get people want to push a particular action. Um, and so they'll pass a statement arguing why, why that action is virtuous. 
and why people should do it. And then if it gets passed with enough votes, you'll find when the winds of fortune come out that, you know, members of the empire decided that was a virtuous action and they went and did it. Um, the um, highborn um, pilgrims of a few years ago were a really good example of that. Um, and then when people are voting, so if uh, if more people vote in favour than against, that's a lesser majority. If a strict majority of the assembly vote in favour, so 50% plus one vote, um, you get a greater majority. And if you don't meet either of those, it fails. Um, now, things that pass with a greater majority are much more likely to create a mandate, which is one of those tangible effects. Um, so I, to go back to the original question, I'm very much a political priest that focuses on pushing particular agendas, on creating uh, statements that I think will lead to mandates and then getting mandates passed to influence the whole empire. Um, so over the last 18 months, I see, um, I've passed four mandates with greater majorities, which is which is a lot, um, but ask me how much time I spend walking across the field and talking to people. It's it's basically my whole weekend, but it's a lot of game. I get to talk to a lot of people. I get to persuade people. Um, yeah, we have put some signs behind it in terms of working out the best strategy to that. But yeah, that's that's the political side of it. That I have so many follow-up questions, which I'm not going to de delve into right now, but a Go lot on. of follow-up questions for that. Okay. Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> follow that. I mean, good luck. Uh, for what it's worth, I'm mostly the other two. Mm. Um, I I love reading into the philosophy of it. I've written literally thousands of words of in-character letters and essays and stuff that I will throw out to other players who are interested, characters who I think that might like to argue with me. I will talk and debate if I have time. And I really, really love the 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 parochial game as well. I love um, talking to people that I have dedicated to ambition. I love um, doing anointings. I love the ceremony and the process. I love building that sense of community that you can get with that, both uh, as individual relationships and as groups and getting that sense of virtue as something that's more than just a word that happens to be there. It's uh, something that everyone can work towards a greater whole. I know that I'm probably, uh, yeah, and I'm not probably talking to the right people on this, but could we quickly go over, like, in brief terms, I know it's difficult, but, like, what each of the, if you were interacting with each of the the um, uh, the virtues, like, what, what sort of thing would you expect from that on the field? It doesn't have to, yeah, see, this is such a, a, a obviously, I know this is a bit of a complicated question, but. Um, so it sort of is and sort of isn't. Um the seven different virtues all technically have different themes, different moods. Um, ambition is very much pick a thing to do. How are you going to do it? Let's work out a way of doing it. Courage says, pick a thing to do. Let's work out how to do it. Screw your courage to the sticking <laughs> place and do the thing. Loyalty says, 
there is a thing that you really, really care about, make sure that you do something to support it. Literally, all of the virtues have some commonalities, which is, you know, we're going to do a thing. Let, yeah. Let's let's get people moving and motivated. Let's give you some focus and drive. Let us recognize the cool shit that we're all doing here mm. because we are the people who move and shape the empire. This is how the way of virtue works. Every single priest is going to have a slightly different take on it. Every single priest is going to be like, I want to care for you gently and move you through this. I want to vigilantly focus on all of the threats in the empire and drive you towards helping me sort them out but every single one of the virtues every single priest is going to tell you do a thing change the world it's cool yeah. it matters so you can use all of the different ceremonies um which if you want we can probably go through them <laughs> but uh it's just loads yeah, of cool uh, stuff yeah, like I think it's interesting as well. Like I, I've only the 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 kind of the voting system that Christina was talking about is something that I've uh, I've I've had. A, 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 I don't want to say affect me because it makes it sound very negative when I say it like that. But I I don't know, like uh, a non-judgmental affect me. Um, so it's one of those parts of the game that I find really interesting where it has dramatic effects on the game, like really huge, like nation-defining effects across the empire. Um, and it, it's a lot like many parts of the empire. Like if people knew the important decisions that other people in the field were making, they would be horrified. But they're they're like they're so compartmentalized that like everything is dramatically changing the empire all the time. And um, but the but the virtues I find very interesting because at a high level, um, there are inquisitions, right? There are you can be you can commit effectively a murder underneath uh, imperial law and potentially have a very light uh, or, or, or if any sentence for that mm -hmm. because if you can justify your way through um yeah i don't know uh, how do you how do you feel about like generally interacting with the way and 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 and, and kind of what that can lead to i guess is my question so there's <sighs> Like the, there are a couple of big themes that uh, Ginny's touched on. Um, action is a big part of the way. Another one is a couple of the different tenets say in different ways something to the effect of virtue teaches us to build us, uh, others up, not tear others down. And that's a, a really great encouragement that if you see someone doing something you think is wrong, unvirtuous, or just not very effective, what you should do is offer them help get involved try and try and get them to do it better and not just not just do the thing that can be quite easy which is to say are oh, you doing it wrong you're not going to get anywhere tough um but the sort of interacting with the way i think empire players are really good in general at mentioning virtue mentioning it in terms of their motivation mentioning it um when people go into battle, um, mentioning it in all sorts of different contexts. Um, I'm also a member of the Sevenfold Path, which is the ordering conclave that is for people who are both majors and interested in the way. Most, almost all of us are priests, um, but some are just, there's a couple of highborn who are not 
priests in terms of their skills, but are very strongly invested in the way. Um, and yeah, I think it's a uh, if you're on an OC level, not sure what to do, not sure what to whether to go do the thing, whether to back someone up. The virtues are really good ways of giving yourself an excuse to do it. Um, and I, so being a, a pride priest, mine is often about what what makes you feel proud. What is it that um, what's it that you want to be proud of? Is it yourself? Is it your group? Is it your nation? Is it your general? And you want to go, you know, back them up and help them have a great battle. Um, and that's, yeah, it's the, that's the pastoral side of it. That's the having conversations and asking people about what they want to do and why, and then maybe giving them a nudge to, to actually go do it. Yeah. The, um, I think it's like one of those things where it's it's often been for me like the end of a should like if I'm talking to someone or we're having a discussion on what action should be taken it can often be the last line in that debate right like well it, it would be ambitious of you it's loyal it's um it's vigilant of you to go and do this thing you know it's kind of one of the the nice trump cards you can bring out and kind of motivate people to mm. um to, to really get out there and experience what empire has to offer right like it's a it's a de- part of that cool development that we have as as people when we larp is using these excuses of kind of uh using plot hooks like this or not plot hooks uh me- game mechanics and being able to explore different parts of ourselves in the game right like uh i don't know uh, what what uh, here's a question for you which is an odd question but what does the way like how how has the way kind of affected you like oc as opposed to ic because i've had like a weird relationship with the way um don't all run at first obviously um <laughs> no so it's it's genuinely a really useful process management tool because the way of virtue is really really explicit it doesn't it sits there and goes we're not going to give you any goals where no god can tell you what to do no one else can command your loyalty it is literally a religious crime to put your will at the service of another entity so you've got to make your own mind up you've got to pick what it is you want to do it's it's an incredibly effective tool if you want to use it like that in real life to work out your own motivations to pick and choose how you want to interact with the world and to sit there and be like actually no i'm 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 good with with trying to bring other people with me that they deserve it too we are all of us here in a situation where you know we'll try and make the best of it and try and bring other people along with us because why not Mm. how about you christina um the path while i've been playing this character has definitely correlated in my actual life with me getting a lot better about not um not talking myself out of doing things not um not talking myself down um not talking other people down and i don't know for sure that that's down to playing a priest but certainly i spend 
four weekends a year and a lot of the run-up to each event thinking about virtue and encouraging people to to be proactive to get things done to to make a difference and um my partner often says that you feel role play feelings with your real feelings it's it's hard not to spend so much time talking about something and it not have at least a bit of an effect on your thinking um yeah i i I think it can a lot of the people i enjoy role-playing with are are those people who seem to take that kind of proactive get things done thing to heart and they won't always succeed because you know there are lots and lots and lots of people in the empire field all trying to do different things and sometimes sometimes you'll get stuff done and sometimes you won't but it's the kind of the push to try i think is really important and i think you've i think you just touched on a really important point there which is with something I, i'm learning let's say i'm learning this is um uh to understand uh failure is okay right like actually the game that you had doing the thing is actually really really fun um i've had I, yeah i can't really talk about it at the moment but there's like really like very uh active stuff in game that gives me a great amount of joy and a lot of it isn't going well you know what i mean like it's um it's it's the challenge and rising to it and even if it comes to the end like at one point i did think that we had uh the thing had gone beyond our grasp and it was all over and there was like a nice handshake moment there well we gave it our best shot type thing and then i kind of oh shit like we got one more chance at this let's, let's just try it right like what's the worst that could happen and uh yeah it came through so but but that's a really good lesson to that i think i've learned from uh like i've learned from the way like that's i'll be direct about it the um yeah the the other thing is that ever so often when i'm talking to my empire friends uh about not anything related to larp stuff i will ever so often bumping a virtue in there and like it's like a cheeky little nod but like it's usually like yeah that, that's a fair point right like uh <laughs> um i don't know if you do the same or not uh, it's, uh... there's all of the all of the virtues have like five little sayings that go with them um they they all fall on on similar lines um but ambition sits there and is like it's better to try and fail than fail to try. Mm. It, it's literally a thing. Just just do it. What's the worst mm. that can happen? Because yeah. you didn't know how to walk once. You never get good at something unless you're bad at it first. There's also a lot of um, things that you sleepwalk into at Empire where, like, because you're motivated to go and do a thing, you end up doing something that you wouldn't necessarily think you could do, but you kind of have to do it if you want to achieve your aim at Empire, right? And be that, uh, I think public speaking is a big one for this. I think going around and introducing yourself to people you don't know, there's lots of stuff to do with this that we all um, surprisingly don't do that much of in real life, right? Like, uh, how often do you have to depending on your job and what you do, uh, going around and introducing to strangers and trying to get them to do something for you is it's quite difficult, right? Like, it's not necessarily something that we all do and, and are trained to do. So hard skill, very much so, right? It, it, it was deeply entertaining. Um, at work once, they were like, do you want to go on a course to, to do some public speaking training? I was like, yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, the first question that, that we were asked was, um, if you have like half an hour to prepare on a topic that you know literally nothing about, um, 
how confident would you be to that you could make a presentation i was like does anyone else know what's going on and they were like nope i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. nine or ten no problem i can do that i can bullshit give me half an hour to prepare i'm totally happy to talk absolute nonsense to a room full of people because we've got years of experience learning how to do that role-playing skills map really well into real life and mm. on top of that like the way of virtue gives you a lot of scope to just be like well fuck it why not yeah What's the worst that can happen yeah, it made me smile you saying that, Jenny, because a job interview I had a couple of years ago, they literally said, here is a two-page brief on a topic, you've got 15 minutes um, in a room by yourself, and then the person who's interviewing you will come back in and you'll have to present a um, a couple of minutes on, on this information. And basically, they were looking for, like public speaking how confident could you be how quickly could you absorb absorb information and play it back um yeah i i got part way through my preparation and was like i think i'm overdoing this um but got really good feedback on it and i absolutely think it's years of larp stuff and reading a brief and then half an hour later out of the way someone asks you a question on it and you've got to like work with what you can remember um yeah, I, I I think like the, the the what's interesting about the way is um it's really flexible. It's crazy flexible. Like if you want to make a, I could argue our point from either side really easily with the way uh, and repeatedly do it right. Like there's no you can come in it from so many different angles of how you not even how just the virtue itself, but how you how you view the virtue and how it directly affects what you're talking about at that moment. Um, yeah, like uh, okay. Just as a philosophical point, because it's something that I've played around with, and I'm just kind of curious just to kind of float it out there, because uh, the listeners have only listened to my bullshit on this this hypothetical. Okay, so there's a there's a there's a there's a nasty nation that has slaves. Okay, um, we understand that it's very unvirtuous not only to keep slaves but to be a slave because you can't live a virtuous life while being a slave. Okay, um, okay, let's get through the question, shall we? Let's get through the question, shall we? And then. So then I sail over with an, a ship full of weapons and I incite uh, insurrection and I give all of the slaves weapons, okay? And then they rise up and they are severely crushed by their overlords and they're, it's, a, it's a massacre, okay? Like uh, they're, they're, they're butchered. Now, is that a success or a failure in the eyes of the, of the way? So here's where we have fun like the way of virtue is a process it isn't an outcome what was the intent what was the process what was the outcome you get to think about all of those bits what did you mean to happen if you're that, that's the whole point in a clemency defense if you've tried everything else and the only thing you can do is this thing to make the thing better then that's it might be a crime but it's not a sin yeah we in extremists, we can do this. Um, on top of that, and separately to it, we also, this is, so we're going to move on later, I have no doubt, to the difference between humans and orcs, which is embedded in the game, which is something that is uh, quite difficult in a lot of ways. But if you're playing a human character, humans reincarnate. 
death is not a thing that you have to be scared of as an absolute. We have absolute, empirical, in-character, categorical proof that people come back. Death is not the end. And you were saying earlier that a slave is unvirtuous. A slave is not unvirtuous. A slave has had their, their capacity to have virtue taken away yeah. from them. When I, you I them, tend to you say... I tend to say slaves have had their capacity for virtue limited yeah. because I think, in fact, there are examples of um, of people who were slaves who did incredibly virtuous things. But it's like the the difficulty they had to overcome to, to make a difference is so much harder. Um, and what... So I think that free will is really fundamental to the way. The ability to decide on your own actions and follow that through. And if you're enslaved, your ability to decide what you're doing, even on a trivial day-to-day -day basis, never mind big decisions, is maybe not zero, but it's really low. Um, so like that action you sort of talked about that hypothetically like is that virtuous or not i mean i'd say my personal take and there i will say up front there are probably dozens of possible answers on this i would say it was ambitious it was courageous it showed a um a commitment to try and build up the pride of the people you were inspiring to rebel but with a bit more wisdom or a bit more vigilance, could you have spotted the things that led to them getting crushed and massacred? Um, and But I wouldn't say that meant you shouldn't have done it. I'd say it was because of the, the things I listed first, it was definitely a virtuous action and you should have done it. What we have to do then would be learn from it. You know, no one can foresee everything and you shouldn't let trying to foresee everything stop you from acting. Um, but I think it's nice that there's a there's a kind of format in the game for, well, we tried it, it didn't quite work. But it's it's virtuous to learn from it and try again. Separately to that, it is absolutely not your place to take on responsibility for other people's actions. You gave them the capacity to rebel. They didn't have to. They could have just decided not to. You gave them the choice. Their deaths are things that you get to decide how to improve next time. But they chose, and that matters. It, generals command their armies into battle and soldiers die. Every time a general gets back a report on how many soldiers they have in their army and it's lower than it was before, what that means is people have died. But those people are soldiers and they have chosen to be there. They have chosen to take part in this, our empire. And, you know, we can froth on this for ages, but... No, I you know? I, I I liked that. By the way, I, that was a. I, I, I obviously it's a it's a really problematic question. If you don't go to empire, these these are questions that might come up, right? Like le legit might come up on the field, yes, right? Like if it seems yes. crass or in bad taste, it's that's part of the game. However, you choose to interpret that as your own business. But um, what what I liked about that conversation was um, that's a lot like how it is on the field, right? Like if two priests are talking about a thing, that's like. Um, 
I think one thing that people struggle with, especially when you're just reading a cold wiki, is to kind of get a, a full understanding of of exactly how a conversation can go. And some of those might be quite challenging towards your opinion, especially if you if you have a, a very specific outlook on the world and are trying to do this one thing that means too much to you. It's yeah. very hard getting into philosophical debates because they can be very challenging for everyone involved right so then there is care involved in this as well obviously but i think it's something to be aware of i i don't think people generally will jump down your throat though for um uh and i mean this on all things i I feel like i'm trying to edge around this but i don't need to it's not even that like weird it's more like if you're if you're a a a priest and you're going around and doing your priesthood like most of the time the only time that you're really going to get in trouble for that if you're like screaming heresy right like something really obviously like another virtue or like that's a classic right like uh you start preaching a, a false virtue um uh, yeah. whatever like that's the kind of vibe right like so there are i mean there are three religious crimes um idolatry heresy and blasphemy um blasphemy um i think is the one that's often poor least well understood heresy is kind of obvious um heresy is um suggesting or proclaiming um false virtues or the teachings of false virtues um i was briefly hesitating there because even as an inquisitor i briefly went hang on is that blasphemy nope um idolatry i think is the one people have the clearest idea of that is that's essentially what a lot of traditional religion looks like um praying to gods in our world in empire often praying or idolizing um eternals um are one of the most kind of common um, subjects of uh, of idolatry, and those are the ones where you absolutely will um, get people jumping down your throat. And a a person who shall completely remain nameless said in luckily a conversation with just me, um, but they I'm friends with them in character, so I, I I'll explain how I handled it. They um, they went. Um, yeah, when you go in the Hall of Worlds to talk to gods. <laughs> and I essentially went, stop, stop. Uh, firstly, I'm an inquisitor. I normally would be a lot harsher on this than I'm going to be. But for the love of virtue, please never say gods again. Um, and and then had a conversation where I explained it. Um, keeping in mind my OC knowledge that they are relatively new to Empire. And I thought the way to handle that was a kind of pastoral conversation about here is why we don't say that, um, rather than um, immediately rushing to the hub to raise an inquisition against them. I think, yeah, the other thing about interacting with priests is quite a lot of the time, a lot of priest players are not going to go out and look for specific things unless that's their game. And there's not a huge number of priests who do that. Quite a lot of them will be either inquisitors or part of vigilance assembly or things like that. But if you have concerns and you go to a priest to talk to them, you're essentially buying into some level of that conversation. Um, that, yeah, I think it is also really important to recognise that every player everywhere gets to tap out if if something is uncomfortable out of character players aren't always going to know that so absolutely please if something is hitting on buttons stop that part of the game 
move away from the subject, you're allowed to do that. Yeah, 100%, right? Like, um, I think that's one thing that uh, unfortunately you develop over time as a LARPer, which is annoying because I think it should be reiterated again and again to new players. But it's just like, if you're not having fun, just, yeah. yeah. You can you can be polite. You can not be polite. You can just leave yourself from the, the situation, not have to explain yourself. Like, it's entirely your own business, right? So, yeah, um, yeah very important. Um, and and the, the, I, I make it sound like, uh, religion is the only thing that LARPers can get really hard out having a chat about, right? They, 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 they'll they'll argue about pretty much anything um, if mm. you leave them in a room long enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Shall we? Shall we move on to to so lineages? Do they have any special things about them? And then maybe we can move on to non-humans. Nope. Lineages are human to all intents and purposes, regardless of what High God says. <laughs> no, no, no. So High God as a nation have as part of their brief if you choose you can uh lean into being racist about lineage it is a thing that the the game designers wrote 12 15 years ago i don't think it's particularly aged well but for the purposes of doctrine for the purposes of priesting uh, a, a naga is a briar is a draugr is a human they're all of them humans for the purpose yeah. of their virtue yeah. i think it's, are, i think sorry yeah there are there are a variety of opinions in the field about lineage but mostly to to generalize you will find that people outside of high guard generally think that there is there is no difference between the soul of a a plain human and an naga or a marrow or um i think that the the people i know who are priests who are lineaged um sometimes role play around the um the differences between some of the role play effects of particular lineages so for example naga um, who quite like sort of lounging, enjoying their creature comforts. Um, and that can, if taken too far, get in the way of the sort of call to action of the way. But <laughs> it doesn't have to. And the best way to stop it doing is to go and find yourself a friendly priest who can do anointing and that gives you a spiritual source of strength that helps you resist um, those kind of role play effects. Do you need a referee for an anointing or is no. it just something you can just bust out whenever you want? Do you have a limit on how many anointings uh, you can do? How much liao you've got. So most, um, if you are a priest with a congregation, the resource you receive every downtime is liao um, and a tiny amount of money like everyone else does um occasionally i've had comments about oh you must be rich because you're in this guild and i'm like no no i am poor as a church mouse um but yeah you get a supply a supply of liao and that is your that's your resource to go and have role-playing fun with by anointing people dedicating them giving them testimonies exercising them any of those um so yeah, the only limit is finding someone who's got a a dose of Liao to use. That's for anointing specifically. So for 
uh, for a lot of the other effects, you do need to go to God and check them in. Um, for if you're yeah, if you're dedicated, then you need to go and register that with God with the details of the priest who dedicated you. Um, the priest should give you their PID, and that should cover it. Um, if you want to create a hallowing, you have to go to God and get a ribbon for it. Uh, could, so, you, could you just tell us what a hallowing is? Um, uh, a hallowing is an uh, a religious aura on an object specifically. It will last for a year whenever someone is actively holding or using or engaging with that item, then it will give them the role-playing effects that will be listed on the ribbon that they have available. What you can also do is give them a really cool name. So each individual item that is hallowed becomes uh, a ribboned item and then it has a name on the system and you can call them whatever you want. And it's I've just heard really of some sweet. I've heard yep. of some pretty ridiculous hallowed items over the years. Um, Admittedly, yes, yeah, some of them get older than others. Yeah, yeah. So you've got um just to kind of finish off the the set, you've got anointings which are people, hallowings which are items, and consecrations which are areas. Um, you'll possibly have been into a tent where you'll have seen a like a large lamy by the door um, and that's done with the consecration which is uh, it affects that area it'll give you some kind of kind of role-playing suggestion related to that virtue um, so if you do see one of those big white cards hanging up by the entrance to a tent do make sure you read it because they it can be they can be, be quite of night. Yeah, um, and they can be quite—they can be quite cool, and some of them quite are quite powerful. Um, they're also occasionally so. All of these can be done for either imperial virtues, so the the ones we rattled off earlier, or false virtues. Um, and a couple of summits ago, um, I wandered into a tent that had been consecrated to hate. Um, <laughs> Luckily, my character is, um, I anoint myself every summit. Um, so I, um, well, I make sure I'm anointed. Um, technically, I get my a fellow priest who's of the same virtues to do it. But um, so I wasn't directly affected by it because I had my anointing that allowed me to resist the consecration effect. Um, but I did notice it. And then as a nosy inquisitor started asking questions um yeah awesome awesome yeah i like that um i haven't bumped into any of these yet i've only bumped into the good ones i'm, I'm hanging out with the wrong people clearly um <laughs> at one point the imperial officers were hallowed to understanding mm. that doesn't sound much like a virtue to me I know why. It's one of the ones that the Aksu follow. It's very exciting. There is a good chance that it's another name for peace. Yes. Ugh, don't want any of that peace nonsense. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll find um, a lot of the false virtues do have two names. One that's kind of a positive spin on it, like freedom. Um, and one that's a less positive spin, like anarchy. Um, or purity and hate. Or understanding and peace. Um yeah. <laughs> I like the way you use that as your negative as well. The peace is the negative for understanding. <laughs> I'm I'm actually not sure with that one. Um, I think you could argue it either way, but I think purity and hate is probably the most obvious um, example. 
one of the one of the biggest confusions that people have when they come into the game is sitting there looking at the names of the virtues and being like, oh, wisdom, cool. That's like wizards knowing in a tower stuff. sitting there and knowing stuff. And it's it's literally not. It's it's like the virtue of scientific experimentation and doing the thing. Oh, ambition. Everyone that that's a bad thing, right? That's selfishness and greed and the number of times I get new priests coming to the field saying, I'm playing an ambition priest, but it's okay because my ambition is to look after other people and help their ambitions. And you're like, it's okay to want stuff for yourself. Yeah. It's okay to have a goal and have a drive. It's okay it's, to. Jenny, it's so interesting you. It's strange you say that because, like, I've forgotten I did that myself. I went through that process, right? Like, um, 100%. I remember being like that th these are negative connotations in, in my day to day world and have to kind of change my relationship with the word ambition and what it meant to me. And actually, it is a good thing. And, 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 and following, following what you want to do is actually not a bad thing at all, you know? Pride gets the same, doesn't Pride. it? Yeah. I was just thinking that. Um, and that some other kind of common misconceptions you get is that um the worst example i've seen but it's one i've heard a lot um is uh someone trips over a guy rope or bumps into a table or something like that oh you should have been more vigilant vigilant vigilance is not watching out for guy ropes and and unexpected objects in your path it's more being aware of threats and potential um potential sort of things that could um, have a negative impact on the things that you are loyal to, proud about. Um, it's a lot more, it's a lot bigger scale than sort of bumping into items. I feel a bit sorry for vigilance, really. Like, it's kind of one of the, like, I think, I like, and uh, how the uh, virtues are written on the uh, wiki is, is how I generally think people approach the game and their priority list, which is starting at the top with the most people of their most priority is ambition, courage, loyalty, vigilance, way down there, pride. No, pride's above that, I think, on the wiki. And then um, prosperity and wisdom, I think. Wisdom's in, definitely I the bottom. I think they're in alpha yeah oh that's right because vigilance is way down there i am right yeah, yeah. so it's, it's vigilance then wisdom is the the bottom two on the list and uh i think that's uh, maybe i could even maybe i'm just talking about myself here maybe i'm just uh like self-calling myself out here but yeah i definitely think i went in that that kind of line down alphabetically i, I think it depends a lot on nation so um one of the things i've done in my kind of political priesting is looked at if you if you go by each national assembly what percentage of each nation belongs to which virtue mm. and unsurprisingly if you look in the league we've got a lot of prosperity and a lot of loyalty because we've got this guild structure that is um that essentially your priorities as a citizen of the league go the empire your nation your guild and the guild is a really big factor um so yeah we've got a lot of prosperity and loyalty if you look at a nation like varushka they've got a lot of vigilance um because they've got that whole looking out for threats culture um they love that. if you if you look at orison um who are very scholarly you've got a lot of wisdom priests um you've got a lot of courage in wintermark 
yeah yeah that's awesome no thought of it like that sorry yeah go on Jenny. Exactly. Yeah. no it's just um it's also interesting looking at the different sizes the different virtue assemblies courage and loyalty are huge compared to a lot of the others because they are things that that have positive connotations for a lot of people because i i don't know if that's absolutely true um but i do think that people shy away from a lot of the smaller uh, assemblies because they're things that are slightly less easy to click into I think I think this is the truth for many aspects of the game, and that isn't just a religious thing. There are many sides to this where, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing. If that makes sense, like um, yeah, right. Like um, I I find it interesting how like how I'm changing as I've been playing as well, right? So you might start off with one and just be like, I'm going to be wisdom till I die. And then through your course of play and understanding and learning, even as yourself and your character, uh, other other virtues may start to call to you and, and, and be much more where you're at, you know? Um, hell, you could even go from a non-religious character to a religious character and, and vice versa, you know? Yeah. 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 I've loved some, some new uh, talking to people and having them being like, well, we started out not thinking much of the way of virtue. We just were just like, well, I guess it exists. And over the the years, they're just like, no, actually, I, I've decided I do actually want to be dedicated to a virtue because it's actually become a meaningful part of my character's goal and story. And it's just really interesting. I think mm-hmm. it adds um, a level that people can choose to engage with. Yeah. Yeah, I had a character who started out not dedicated to, because, well, that's not mechanically possible, but um, certainly interested in freedom. And by the time, uh, by the time the character died, um, dedicated to uh, courage. So, yeah, it it doesn't, it does happen. Um, That character was executed, but not for heresy. (laughs) So that's fine. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Moving on. <laughs> uh, executed for murder that was absolutely, in her mind, committed on virtuous grounds. But How was the mushroom soup? <laughs> I'm going to have to tell that story, aren't I now? It's, I it's a long time ago in play and all the characters involved are dead. So I, I think don't that's think totally fine. I think that's safe. That's good. That's totally safe. For yeah. Sure. So I was... Uh, working with a group in Varushka who were very well known a few years ago called the Tangled Thorns. Um, We came across someone who we thought was, we thought were a threat um, in broader terms um, that I won't go into, but, um, and we decided that uh, the only, the only thing we could think of after having tried a few other options was to kill them, which we did. Um, in our in our tent, we invited them in. We're terrible breakers of Russian hospitality, and um, invited them into our tent, and then killed them. Um, and then a member of our group, with excellent forethought, had brought a tub of mushrooms, so that when we cast turns the circle to get rid of the corpse, we scattered a box of mushrooms over the floor of the tent. And the following day, 
while me and um, one of the others were not taking part in the battle, we gathered up the mushrooms, went round the Varushkin camp, collected all the items and a pan that we needed and made mushroom soup on the fire in front of our tent um, and offered it to basically anyone who walked past the tent. Um, so there are a number of people in the field who have eaten mushroom soup that uh, 10 hours earlier was a person. You people are monsters. Um... <laughs> My The additional claim to fame is that the day before I'd at offered and actually i'd offered cake to the empress and she'd accepted and i like to think that when she heard what we'd been executed for she was a bit like oh no i took food from those people hold on so were you executed for the murder or yeah. the mushrooms uh, the for murder. The murder. Okay. Um, cannibalism's technically not a crime no good to know no, no, the, the the mushroom soup was maybe in poor taste, uh, particularly with the ingredients we used. But um, the it was the murder that was the problem. Um, the person identified us when Whispers Through the Black Gate was cast on them. Um, so yeah, we, we got kind of it. Yeah, we weren't really expecting to get away with it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was done by a, a group of people who were all very interested in virtue and very... This, very uh in their minds at least very virtuous this is the this is the problem like also i've this isn't the first story i've heard about people being invited to tents and like when the tent flap goes that's when that, that, i mean i'm terrified of hospitality at this stage in the game you know like um uh, i don't want to go anywhere <laughs> so in which case we should probably cover off exactly yeah. how few murders there are in anvil like, yeah, that's true is, I, i'm joking obviously i'm joking yeah, I yeah. Know, I'm, right? I'm having fun yeah um, yeah there are while a reasonable amount of minor crime happens um the normal process is that someone will find out about something you've done, go to a magistrate, it will be investigated, you'll have a trial and you'll almost certainly, at worst, get a fine. Um, for for most minor things, um, generally it's fine. I have done a virtue defence for a charge of assault, um, which is the, the most serious thing my current character has been involved in. Um, and essentially, if you're accused of a crime, you get the opportunity to ask a priest, you know, to do a virtue defence for you. And essentially what they should what they should be able to to say is why um, how you had exhausted all other options, why you had to be the person who did it. So it's um, like a. I forget the exact term to it, like a hero's burden. Um, so why you rather than anyone else? Um, and and then how that action was virtuous. But you've got to cover the first two things. Um, and yeah, if you if you get a good virtue defence, you will probably still be found, or at least the ones I've dealt in, you've still been found guilty, but the the final, the penalty has been reduced. Well, you have to plead guilty in order to be in able fact, to you plead do have to plead guilty, guilty. Yeah. at all. Um, it's, yeah, useful to know. Yeah, I, it's one of the things that I've, I've, I haven't interacted with in any way, but it's like, I think it's one of the coolest parts of the game is that you, 
stand tall before the man type thing and have to give this you know then you have a, an actual priest there who's going to try and be your basically your lawyer and try and get you as the best a, a lenient uh as you can do with the uh, thing i think is amazing hopefully obviously i uh, my character doesn't do anything illegal at all or, or heretical or any of those things so sure. i would never be involved in anything like that so just want to make that clear um, it's interesting actually priests i know people who have tried to get someone to do a virtue defense and had a string of priests refuse because they couldn't convince a priest that what they'd done was virtuous you know you're in trouble when that happens um mm. There's been some exceptional ones out there, though. There's um, mm. the uh, the the man who was tried for attempted murder um, and had a clemency uh, plea put in on on the grounds of loyalty by the victim, which is nice. Um, yeah. There was the, uh, the the treason case where where again clemency was pled on grounds of loyalty. The murder case, which was pled on grounds of vigilance, it's it's really really interesting the court records have quite a lot of the, the details kicking around i think that is yeah re reassuring to know that both crime happens and when it does happen is dealt with in a way that is fun for the game mm. there's so th there's two reasons that um imprisonment isn't an option and one is because it's a really really boring thing out of character and two is because it's a sin under um, virtue you can't take away someone's self-determination by imprisoning them yeah i think that's awesome um shall we shall we finally get on to finally if you've been listening at home uh get to the difference between humans and non-humans when it comes to the way um Let's uh, pull your bootstraps up, everyone. We're going in. It's going to be a rough one, but we'll get to the other side by the end. Um, who wants okay. to start? So, the, you should have an orc player for this, but we'll, you've got us, so we'll do what we can. Um, the orcs have changed doctrine. They are the, the first people to change doctrine in, since Nicovar. We have two new doctrines, thanks to them, defining the orc, the status of the orc soul and what happens to them after they die, saying that they can cross the Howling Abyss and that virtue helps them do it. Orcs don't reincarnate, but if they are capable of crossing the Abyss, by whatever qualification that means, their voices can be heard as ancestor spirits to those orcs who come after them. This is a very different attitude and a very different aspect to humanity's reincarnation. Uh, the continuity of the immortal soul is very different to maybe when I die, if I've done something cool enough, memorable enough, virtuous enough then I will be able to speak to my my descendants and the other orcs who come. It's a different kind of immortality and it's difficult. So for the past umpty years, orc players and uh, some human players, uh, characters have been working towards ways of saying that orcs are actively part of the empire they are capable of virtuous thought bearing in mind that one of the doctrines says 
very, very specifically that humans are the greatest of all creation. Again, this is something that was written in out of character like 10, 15 years ago and in character if anyone is interested, there is some historical research that's just come to light recently on that. I encourage you to read it on the wiki rather than have me half-assing it. Yeah, um, I think like uh, a lot of this stuff like is um, it's it's obvious, very real world um, yeah. uh, stuff. It's really problematic. Um, yeah. There are different like I have. Uh, I, I like to play around with a whole, but look, play around. It just sounds awful mm. when I put it like that. I like to experience uh, very intense, thought-provoking role play. That's just something I like to do. Um, yeah. Empire has a lot of that. A lot of that surface, you kind of it's. Uh, on the surface, you wouldn't be able to tell it's there, but um, if you read any of the wiki and start digging into anything of any interest whatsoever, be that in the military game, political game, religious game, whatever game you have, they're going to you're going to find deep pockets of problematic shit. Basically, um, it's part of the game. Um, it's it's fun seeing players overcome these certain aspects to things. Um, it's uh, it, it raises interesting points. It's important to remember that it is a fantasy setting. Um, if these are things that are going to really deeply trouble you, then um, there are other games. Is what I would really say to that at the moment, right? Like uh, there's there's uh, there's, a, there's a whole plethora of stuff out there. Um, I think this is one of the dangers with a fest larp, which is that uh, I found on smaller larps is a little easier to control some of these more problematic type uh, plots and storylines and what players can do with them. Uh, fest larps have a, a big limitation that you have to deal with a lot of people like like uh and you're going to come with everything that comes along with that so um... yeah there are there are themes i would be willing to deal with in a game of like 30 people where i knew them all um that i wouldn't think were a great idea for a a game of thousands like empire um i think in in pd's defense about empire I think all of those problematic areas, at least that are coming to mind now, are opt-in. So if you if you choose to play a lineage, lineaged character in Highguard, um, you're you're opening yourself up to to that. But it's very clearly badged on the wiki that that is a common attitude in Highguard. Yeah. We had a um, we had a big thing in, in in Navarre recently, which was the uh, kind of like uh, I think it was a, a religious vote, whatever sort of vote that had um, changed the relationship between Navarre and Briars. It was kind of built into the cake, and there was a lot of plot going along with it at the time that abruptly ended. And I remember like a lot of players were kind of jarred by the sudden flex in that when players on both sides had kind of chosen to engage in that storyline. And I remember that just had like a lot of emotions on both sides of it that both sides felt really justified in, 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 in their points of view, which was very contentious. Um, and this isn't me coming down and saying that either side is right, by the way, because I don't want that shit at all in my life. Um, but like, uh, it's interesting when those kind of things rub up against each other. For me personally, like I said, though, I tend to have a bit more of a kind of like um, a higher tolerance for stuff than some people, I would say. I don't know whether it is on a, a massive scale. I don't want to say I'm above or below average, but um I enjoy playing those sorts of aspects. I think it is important to understand, though, that, like I said, you are playing a game. And when there is a, a large enough extraction layer, you can deal with some stuff that can, if you boil it down to its absolute fundamentals, is real world. In the many layers of stuff, um, it is probably not very real world relevant and can actually be quite insulting to people that are affected by those if you do want to say this one thing here which is in a fantasy setting is the same as this thing over here which is a very real world setting can often come across as very tone deaf and uh as ignorant as the opposition right so it's complicated 
Yeah, I think the the interesting thing with um, orcs at the moment is is the stuff about paragons and exemplars. Um, so there have been recent judgments in Synod that have essentially said orcs um, can be paragons, can be exemplars, regardless of the fact that they... Um, in fact, no, I'm right about one of those and not not about the other. Um, yeah, uh, can be... Gosh, which way around is it, Ginny? They can be exemplars. That's the paragons are considered to have moved past the labyrinth and orcs yeah. don't go yeah, through exactly. it. Yeah, um, exactly. So that, that's been really interesting because a lot of the debate has focused around the fact that... Um, Orcs can't be dedicated to virtues. Um, but of course, not everyone who is an exemplar um, is is dedicated to a virtue. Um, so it's it's been an interesting point of discussion. Um, you know, how essentially how how far do the differences between human and orc souls extend? Um, and there are there are really strong viewpoints on on both sides um there's also been a recent change that orcs are now going to be able to become members of virtue assemblies which i think will be really cool um because at the moment politically speaking uh, the all of the orcs have been a member of the assembly of the way um which essentially means that you've got one one nation that massively dominates one virtue assembly and then you've got none of that nation in in any other virtue um which i i absolutely expect has skewed some decisions that have been made um so it'll be really fascinating to see how it changes when people are going to be able to move about a lot more between do, do virtue assemblies what? the orcs that i know they will double down on not dedicating and just be like it just it's it's really interesting but this is one of the things that's always good to bear in mind though that the game is constantly changing and like rather large changes right like something's out of nowhere like huge things can very much happen and that can come from what's interesting about what you're discussing there is the idea of um uh all these different bodies that make up the empire right like all these political bodies and then having uh something so affecting one nation um wh whatever political system that be in this case we're talking about the religious one but that that being heavily set against a one nation as the orcs is, is kind of an interesting dynamic by itself right um it will be interesting to see what they do and, and what the effect on, on whether they will how, how what they'll dedicate to and Oh, lots of good fun stuff there. So they won't be, they still won't be able to be dedicated because that involves um, the use of Liao. But they, whether you're de dedicated or not, won't tie to which virtue assembly you attend. Um, so people are going to be able to, you will, you will state which virtue you are focusing on for a season. Um, and that will be the virtue assembly you're a member of. Oh, that sounds very messy. How do you register that, or do you just tell people? It's a downtime option for PD. Yeah. So um, you, as a priest, can choose what virtue you're preaching. So, for instance, um, if 
uh, Genoveva as a priest of pride decided that actually no she was going to tell people all about loyalty and explain to them how she saw loyalty working then from then on she would be counted as a member of the loyalty assembly I would use my character as an example but if Viviane decided to start preaching something that wasn't ambition she would stop being the cardinal of ambition which is an exciting lifestyle choice that I could make <laughs> but you know yeah. knock on choices that we all have but yeah, yeah I, I am super super interested in seeing if any um, human characters want to take up the same option, because I think that's going to be really, really cool to see people move around and be able to say, well, this is my personal journey, but it doesn't have to be the journey that I'm telling other people about. Mm. Um, I've, I've had one player, one character from Navarre talk to me saying, well, I think that my particular path through the dance follows this virtue but I want to be able to talk to people about all the virtues. So I want to be part of the way assembly and I can do that now. And that's a really nice way of looking at it, sitting there and going, how, how does, how I feel about virtue affect what I'm telling other people about it. It's pretty cool. They they can actually swap around each mm. week, like each event, each yeah. week. Oh, I wish. <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, but yeah. Oh my God. That would be detrimental to my, the rest of my life. Sure. Um, I uh, think you're probably going to see people, I think you're going to see kind of two quite distinct groups. One group of people who decide to stay focused on one virtue. I suspect that will involve basically all of us who hold any of the positions in, a, in an assembly. Because um, trying to say come next year to the Pride Assembly, hey, re-elect me as your inquisitor, but I've been off doing loyalty for the year. Um, but I think you're going to get a group doing that. And I think a group will will move around a fair bit. I also expect you'll see a few people who are like that Navarre priest, um, focused on a virtue, but will spend a few seasons moving around and then go back to the virtue they're they're focused on. I, I like that idea on a, an RP level. It's it's cool thematically for a priest to go study different understandings of their religion and then return to their order effectively it's uh it's quite cool narratively you know the other thing that you can do is the other way around sit there and saying well this is my virtue assembly this is what i preach i'm going to be rededicated to a different virtue because that's part of my personal journey but i'll stay preaching what i've always preached because that's what i'm used to that's the message that i'm good at giving and i think that's also a super valid way to sit there and go be like how do i want to change up my character cool i can literally dedicate myself to a different virtue see what that feels like um we haven't talked about cardinals yet should we have a bit of a chat about cardinals and how you become a cardinal and what cardinals do and all of that (laughs) strangely enough that's a conversation i've had a number of times um so there's there's three different formal positions within each virtual virtue assembly: the cardinal, the inquisitor, and the gatekeeper. Um, the gatekeeper uh, has the capacity with the other gatekeepers to decide how uh, who to hand out um, some of the doses of Truliao to. Um, however, they choose to do this is down to the council of gatekeepers. All the civil service wants is a bit of paper with at least four of their names on saying who they're giving it to. And, and what does the rest of it is And while we're here, what does Trudy Al do? It 
it's it's basically supercharged Liao, but uh, so it can be used for any of the standard effects that you would have. You can hallow something with it. You can consecrate an area with it. You can anoint a person with it and so on and so forth. If you do that, you get massive, massively imp improved um, outcomes that will last forever. Uh, the most notable recent uh, use of it um, in that way was um, was uh, two doses of Chuliao being used to consecrate the walls of Holberg, which has had to, to wisdom, which has had a massive impact on Holberg and how it looks on the world. The um, statues in Urizen that were dedicated, uh, that were um, consecrated, uh, literally stand there as a beacon, keeping the druge out. That they can't go near it. It's really, really interesting. There's active game mechanics about it. But the thing that is most common about it uh, that, uh, for its use is for uh, Trulial visions or past life visions, where um, which is the, the super enhanced version of dedication dreams, where you will literally get a little like half hour role play scene just for you and your guide priest about something that relates to something in principle <laughs> it, no, it, it could be it could be literally anything um but in principle it is something the plot team have put together based on what they can find out about your character that's dope um, that's awesome yeah. that's really yeah. exciting yeah that's okay cool and how do you become a gatekeeper uh it is cardinal's choice oh okay literally cool. that's it Whereas Inquisitor and, Inquisitor and Cardinal are votes of their assemblies, um, so it's quite this. It's quite different, um, and you'll you'll sometimes get um, kind of pairs of gatekeepers and, and cardinals working together for quite a long time, and then uh, the cardinal will change, and not all the time, but sometimes you will then see a change in gatekeeper because the new cardinal wants. A, a different approach or wants a particular person to do it or or obviously politically speaking someone saying to someone vote for me and i'll make you gatekeeper is absolutely an option on table yeah um <laughs> sometimes it works out better than others what what do cardinals do uh you're you're freshly done you're a cardinal stepping out into the world um fancy new hat on what are you doing what are you what, what's the plan you can do whatever you want with it basically like like every single position in empire it it is what you make of it um the only explicit things that you get out of it are is the ability to put statements into the assembly of nine which comprises the seven virtue cardinals the cardinal of the way and the throne um and to vote on those statements Sorry, is that a cardinal of the cardinal of the throne or the throne itself? The throne itself. So, so that the would be empty right member. now. It is empty right now. We have a we have uh, an assembly of eight currently. Interesting. I know lots about the game, by the way. I've only been playing it for like loads and loads of years, so that's fine. Um, but that's that's uh, and I never, I never stopped for a second and was just like, oh, it's uh, it's about the way. But why are there nine of them? It never crossed my mind. Never even crossed my mind. Uh, hilarious. Um, 
Yeah, and they have like meetings. Like uh, I'm an ambassador, so I kind of uh, needed to uh, talk to them. Might potentially need to in future, which I shouldn't talk I about just, now. I, but um, I, I just need to check. Where are you an ambassador for? Just asking. Um, <laughs> one of the naughtier nations uh, is all I'll say. Uh, and they're going to be. It. I've got um, a list of I've got a list of of, of uh, ambassadors that I do actually want to talk to. Oh, so. we almost certainly have to talk. By the way, like a hundred percent, we have to talk. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm without so even in. knowing yes. anything else. Like, yeah, we're probably going to have to have a conversation. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of um, one of those funny yeah. things. Like, and this is kind of what like uh, this is why I lead on to this. Not just to kind of endlessly like um, narcissistically talk about myself, but like the uh, the the cardinals of the way are a really good. They're they're a political body that are good to go and talk to you can seek uh, wisdom from them you can ask their advice on stuff um if it's related to their kind of world then make them work they work for you remember people go find them out and get answers out of them because that's their 100%. job right yes yes we don't have formally convened um meetings set by the civil service so um what we do do is stick a note of the times that we'll be meeting on the synod notice board um, with a list of whatever other meeting times people feel like putting on there. We, at the moment, the Cardinals usually meet at nine o'clock on a Friday evening for an hour and usually around about three o'clock on a Saturday and usually around about one o'clock on a Sunday. These are, again, player controlled, so they might well change. Um, and what we'll do there is, I mean, technically it's whatever we feel like, but uh, we'll pull together an agenda that is like here is all of the stuff that we think that synod should meddle in here is all of the stuff that we think that maybe synod could do with meddling a little <laughs> more delicately in um, um and yeah try and politic that way it's really good fun yeah it's um it was very much like I i'm very new to the job by the way so um it was very much a kind of one of those uh oh you have to go and speak to these people i'm like i don't even know who they are right and then like bumping into someone and being like oh i'm that person and being like oh you're that person that's great i know you this is brilliant like we can uh we can actually talk about it brilliant um like kind of uh fall your way to victory basically is how i like to approach uh diplomacy and, and work at empire um, um right yeah uh, it's a like have we missed anything have i missed anything are, are we missing some piece oh, of this puzzle of religion that I'm, like um that we haven't talked about? i'm curious you said earlier you had a load of questions about politics and synod um yeah I'm oh what did what you say are. you 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 it's when you ended what you were talking about and you added like a few a couple of caveats onto what you said that were like hold on one second what do you mean by that um and i can't remember what they are now I I, so i talked about voting and greater majorities lesser majorities um about having campaign for them i said i think the last thing i said is that no, that's it i just remembered with some ways to be scientific yes that's it. the one i want to talk about right there like how would you even oh man so is it like oh, is it effectively like twitter or facebook right you do all these posts and you want to get as many likes as you can okay like i, no. I okay. um i should caveat this first with this is an IC business run by me and my partner, Joe. Um, we are Do you both really want to talk pride. about it? Do you really want to talk I'm about it? I'm fine with talking general terms. I, I have oh, nothing I but like, faith no, and I love for our listeners, right? Like, I think they're great I shan't people. Give away, I shan't give away trade secrets. Cool. Okay, good, um, good. It's worth saying that I work in project management focusing on projects to do with 
changing culture and behavior in businesses. Um, Joe works as a, a regional trade union official and has, um, has stood as a councillor several times and even as an MP, though didn't get elected. Um, so we come from a very, we've got some very kind of set views and experience on how you influence people. Um, and essentially, we took Joe's knowledge of political mapping and like analysis of voters and trends, and my knowledge about how you influence people to change their behaviour, and put those two things together. And that's the basis of the business we run. Um, we, I will say that we start from publicly available data that is the list of priests that are posted in the hub every event. Um, those lists contain the name of the priest, their nation, their virtue, uh, and their voting strength, which is the, the tasty, exciting bit from their making, making judgments happen. Because um, what that means is that rather than, so last time I needed to get a greater majority in the General Assembly, I needed, uh, hang on, 1582 votes um as Ginny said earlier the average con well the starting congregation size is 10 votes i wanted not to have to go and talk to 159 people because even if each conversation only takes me 10 minutes um and some of them take a lot longer than that uh that that's basically my entire event gone and I don't even, it's more people than that because not everyone I talk to will end up voting for it. In fact, some people will listen to my argument and go straight to the hub and vote against it. Um, so instead of just picking 159 random people, I actually worked my way down in order of voting strength. Um, so I, for instance, at the moment have a congregation of 28. Um, because I live in a city with a cathedral that improves it, and also I use. Has it just been knocked down? I think it had a problem with fire. The one in Tesato. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, Astrid's one. Have have fun with that. Faradun uh, went and burnt it. So you had a strength of twenty-eight. I had a strength of twenty-eight last event. Gosh, that that will be exciting, um, and. Yeah, I work my way down that list from, from largest to smallest. My aim is to get round to everyone, but at least that means if I don't get round to everyone, which is kind of going to happen just because the number of people, um, at least I've targeted the people where I will get the, the most votes for each conversation. Um, so there's some of that and there's some of kind of keeping track of um, the judgments get posted on the wiki after each event, keeping track of who has raised judgments about what topics, how they how they voted on particular issues. So we've got information on who is pro orc um, exemplars, who is who is anti, who is um, who is kind of on either side of any of the big controversies um and yeah and we can use that to do a bit of a bit of shenanigans about who we talk to and when about what 
Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I find these sort of... Because um, this happens in many aspects of the game as well, not just this aspect, right? Like, there are... I've heard of, like... like even to the point of, like... Uh, who owes who favors how many people like who are your diplomatic allies how many votes can you count upon and these are like big widespread games now listener if you're like me and not that sort of person at all um there are lots of ways we can elaborate around this without that stuff right just uh get out there and stick it to them and that's that's pretty effective as yeah. well right like so uh don't feel too 100%. intimidated by uh, a lot of this stuff um i found it's a social game right like um mm. and the more friends you have the more power you the more powerful you become um and i think like that's true in most aspects of the game i think maybe that's... one or two exceptions you could maybe argue mm, maybe no friends are op friends it's literally OP. a thing yeah. everyone says that friends and cardio yeah. i'm told and kids if you want to make money send kids out with yeah. anything at all to sell anything at all give them yeah whatever whatever you want uh you'll come back with money yeah. um but but yeah this is where the three different types of priesting comes in mm -hmm. to be a political priest absolutely if you want an impact then you will need to maneuver and think about what that looks like do you want to just work within your virtue do you want to work within your nation do you want to work on the general assembly those are things if you want to be a pastor or priest you can ignore all of that like literally everything mm -hmm. And just sit there and say what matters to me is the relationship that i build between me and the the people around me um if you want to be a philosophical priest you can literally sit there and be like well i mean sure i could write statements all day or i can talk with a group of people about what i think doctrine looks like and what it means and maybe at some point will come to a conclusion and say, okay, we think this doctrinal change is needed. And then we'll talk to a political priest and say, go, go can you make this happen? Yeah, Thanks. it does. It seems very much like they flow into each other, right? In a, yeah. in a, in a circle, yeah, right? Like they, they all kind of lead on to each other. And this idea of like the philosophical game, I find really interesting. I'm not much into the um, deep dive wiki stuff, but I feel pretty confident even now that I could learn a great deal just through having conversations in the field. Um, if you just I went really there and so. uh, like, uh, and this is something I did in a different way, but I, f I was sure it works exactly the same way for learning about the way is come up with a position, take your position out into the world, have that position tested, change your argument because you've been tested in certain ways with the effective arguments yep. that have come against it. You, those Use those arguments next time you go out and then you will eventually find a really solid basis that you can actually be pretty solid on against most people. You may still come across people who are going to absolutely gazump you with like some knowledge bomb way back from the wiki, but most of the time that they might overstate that or it might be not as yeah. relevant to the stuff that you already talked about, right? So, so don't mm -hmm. feel too intimidated. Learning it is kind of part of the fun of the game, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I have never yet known a priest character who will sit there and someone say, can you talk about the game that you want to play? And they'll be like, no, no, I don't want to do that. Now, talk to a priest. It is absolutely their jam. They have chosen to play that game. Yeah. And if that's not their particular flavor, they will be able to pass you on to someone who can. I, you know, it, it's, it's exactly the same as saying, I want to learn about ritual magic. You know what? I'm going to go to Conclave. You want to talk you don't want to go to conclave i don't do it i mean um i i strongly disagree um so <laughs> i every all hang on i was gonna say every no almost every character i've played and my current one is my fifth um has been a member of conclave um i think it is fascinating um 
but also I like public speaking and political debates and conclave is absolutely about politics um people will try and tell you it's not but it's it's just politics it's like the it's like gutter fighting though it's like a knife fight in the dark of of, of this stuff it's just and i i'm a, i can be a bit of a debate bro when it comes to stuff but even i'm like oh you people and just have to turn away and walk away from it because it's uh, but uh, but this is all part of the fun right like eventually i will come up with a character and i'll be like no i will dive like i'll put i have to put like the little nose thing on on my nose before <laughs> jumping in there so none of it gets up my nose but i'll I'll jump in there and have a wonderful time like um yeah, yeah but it is there, fun talking shit about them so yeah there is there's this slight self well no more than slight there's a self-limiting thing with conclave in that each minute you talk for costs you mana and that's a fantastic idea as as far as i'm concerned um it the it makes people really consider how long they're going to talk for and do they really need 10 minutes yeah but because but... you will you will absolutely get people who'll be like oh i'm going to show off how much mana i've got and i'll i'll walk up to um the civil servant i'll hand over 10 mana at the start but most people will essentially narrow their pitch down to one minute maybe two yeah i think this is i think this is my impression from the outside just hearing that as a game mechanic just makes me immediately think of like well it's 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 a rich person's place where they get to talk and can filibuster and they're like bear in mind like i understand the difference between you can win an argument without being right right and one of those is talking more than the other person most people can't necessarily always work out that the value of what they said is more important than how much they said. So that's that's one of the aspects of why that puts me off, if I'm being honest. You I, th- know. I think I think that's one of the best things, honestly, about Synod. Like you've got basically half a sheet of A5 to make your argument, and that's you. Th- yeah. Then it's on the wall, and after that, it's individual conversations or pitching up to an assembly and being like. I'm going to take some of your limited time, but this is what I've got. Yeah, this is the purity of it, which I like. And and I know there are obviously ways that you can uh, stack the deck and also make friends, but like just pure, like I think like just hustling is a big part of that. And I, uh, I appreciate the hustle. Obviously you have to hustle for resources, like getting mana. So I'm a hypocrite, but whatever. Um, The uh, it's it's complicated. Um, Cool. Right. Um, We've been waffling for a while. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet before we wrap up that we kind of like, I, I don't want to like miss something off here and then like, oh no, we didn't talk about this one thing, but uh, it feels fairly comprehensive at this stage. Or is there anything that you want to say generally about your feelings towards the religious game? Like uh, you can talk in more general terms if you want just to kind of like, like closing statements you could say. Um, I'll go. Um, the... So before I played a priest, I wasn't sure it was going to be my game. Um, I've played a lot of dedicated characters, but I'd never really been struck with the idea of like fully jumping with both feet into the um, into the sort of the priest game. There's a lot to it. Like the the three main different flavors of priests Ginny talked about. A lot of people cover all of those groups in different in different proportions um and and that gives you a lot of a lot of options um like turning up to an assembly meeting and getting to hear what people are talking about you know what what are the current issues that people in the field think are 
worth talking about. It's a really it's a really nice way to get pretty directly involved in some plot, which I know some people sometimes say can be hard with Empire because it's so big. Um, also, I would recommend to anyone who wants to be a priest and actually take the some of the skills, Inquisitions are great fun. Um, find someone who's done something either virtuous that you want to kind of highlight or unvirtuous that you think needs asking questions about and you get to have an hour of their time where you and them sit down and have a chat about it and then you get to write it up and publish it and everyone finds out what what the conversation was they're really fascinating um essentially i get to sit down with people and say tell me about your character and why you did this and what your motivations were um and it's it's really good fun. Um, so yeah, that's that would be my kind of highlight of a little bit of the game. I think not a lot of people get involved with. Nice. Yeah, I I, uh, I haven't obviously. I don't, my character doesn't do anything wrong that could get himself uh, an Inquisition. But um, I look forward to it if it ever does potentially happen. Not that it will, because I would never do anything wrong. So um, Ginny, um, your turn. <laughs> I'm I'm going to give you a super super practical couple of points which is mostly if you want to play a priest um, and you are uncertain of anything go to the hub the, the big table in the middle of the hub ha has the synod tribune um, sitting around it if you ask for the synod tribune they are the npcs who deal with voting uh synod uh, putting statements up getting yourself elected to positions all of that they are absolute fonts of wisdom please do go and ask them questions. That's literally what they're there for. They're super, super lovely. Likewise, um, part of the the wall on the hub is the synod section, which includes lists of all of the names of different priests of different assemblies. So you can get a name for people if you want to find out where you've got. There's also a notice that's got a list of different times and places for synod meetings because these are player controlled um pd don't create that so there's a player created resource that just means that you can find out where to go if you want to look for particular priests and particular things yeah um broadly anyone who wants to play a priest would love to talk to people who want to play priests that that that's the game it's fun don't ever be afraid of of eating someone else's time just just have a chat i mean the worst that happens is they're like i've i'm on my way to a meeting do you want to come with me we'll have a chat or here's my contact details we'll do something about it or here's some other people who can help yeah i think like uh, as you as you raise your way up through empire and whatever game it is um you will always start as being the person that has to walk and talk with someone. That's just how it starts. And it's not a reflection on you at all. You'll that, that like it happened to me for like a while when I was trying to do stuff at Empire. Would be like someone would be like, "Yeah, I can talk to you, but we have to walk and talk." And as you slowly w go up this totem, now people are like, "Oh yeah, I've got like ten minutes so I can sit down and talk to you." And I'm like, "What?" Like. Well, you're gonna sit down and talk like this is so weird like usually it's like oh no i really need to talk to you is another thing that starts to happen as well like you start to become this font of game and information and play which is is really exciting so but yeah get used to having to follow people around and ask them to walk like uh people are busy they're not being rude um it's no reflection on you as a person either um <clears throat> yeah 100 yeah. there, there's two and a half thousand people on the field 
there is like maybe 200 odd who actively have positions as far as i can tell all of those people i've in, i've talked to have been really really good and, and generous about sharing game hmm. but there's there's so many different games on anvil's fields you don't just have to poke a hat game yeah. pick, pick a thing that, that you want to achieve yeah so that can be li literally anything from find the best tea house to take over the world yeah i totally agree and also by following your own <coughs> whatever that might be um you can end up actually creating the environment for your character to go and do other things or people will suggest that you go and do a thing because you're 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 delivering so much on a certain thing or you've done a certain thing that shows character in a certain way people will literally come up to you and be like hey you ever thought about running for senate like like legit right like that that does happen so um yeah i i highly recommend like just playing your game right don't get distracted by trying to break your um weekend on a hat that you uh that you really really want right like and, and we talked about this earlier to do with um the understanding that failure is part of the game and learning to overcome failure is a, a, such a valuable lesson that Lark can give you and don't don't ignore it don't shirk it you know mm -hmm. Um, right, uh, shall we, shall we, I'm going to waffle on for hours. So let's uh, <laughs> let's end the episode, shall we? Um, is there like a catchphrase, like a call and response, or anything that kind of like the religious game has? I I can't think of anything that comes to my mind right now. I think most most priests have their favourite tenets of the way, um, but that's uh, that's maybe the closest. Um, that's the closest do, do people of get. You, do either of you have? tenets that you would like to say to close out the episode maybe oh um i think the one i like oh hold on hold I on one second to... hold on one second I, thank you very much for our patrons thank you for listening we really appreciate it thank you for both our guests being on we really appreciate you sure now go ahead that's fine <laughs> so the one i try not to use it too often um because i don't want to dilute it but the one that's really nice when you're trying to get someone to follow through and do something is from pride despise the half-hearted the uncommitted and the pretender 